Welcome to the Entrepreneur Academy with your hosts, Nick Dutton of Engage Finance and James Cross from Crossover Property on this episode of the Entrepreneur Academy. First three years is horrible. It's so hard, right? And if you're finding it easy, you're going to love it down the line because it just gets more and more momentum. Your problems get bigger, but problems when you're making a million a year, a lot easier to fix. But now, here are your hosts, Nick and James. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Academy with myself, Jim Cross, and uh, Nick Dutton. Hi, everyone. Today, we've got a very special guest, uh, Jamie York, who has a vast uh, array um, of experience in business. Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll tell you all the things he's been involved with. Um, some people, um, some of our listeners may already know him, uh, but for those that don't, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll enjoy this episode. Um, so thanks for coming on, Jamie. No, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, really excited to just have a chat, see where it goes. I suppose really where to start is for those that, that don't know you, um, in a nutshell, what um, are you involved with? Quite a few things, but what are the main things you're involved with? And then we can sort of dive into a few of those aspects and, and uh, have a talk around them. Yeah, sure. So uh, for those that don't know me, I'm, uh, I was about to say 28. I'm 29 now, as of last weekend. And um, I've yeah, I've been in business for a better part of a decade now. So started when I was 19, turning 20 properly, I would say. You know, there were a few bits of hustles before. Predominantly, it's all been property focused. Um, so I'd probably say about 65, 70% of what I do is based around property. So um, first of all, I started building my own portfolio. Then, nat- well, quite a natural thing is I started going into trading and deal packaging um, within property because I couldn't buy all of them. Then I realized a lot of people were just doing that in a really small way, but I thought, actually, this could be quite a cash cow. So now that's a big business. There's 16 of us. Um, or for me, that's a big business. There's 16 yeah. of us um, in the office now, full-time, doing property trading. And then, so it sort of become this is what I do in property, in a done-for-you service. Then I started training people on how to find their own properties and stuff like that, and then that scout. And then uh, in the last three, four years, I've started going into other businesses. So I've got a couple of um, the gym side of things, fitness industry. I've got some classic car companies. And then I've got money money lending business as well. So I um, lend out my money to entrepreneurs trying to get started, which is good. It's nice yeah. seeing other people get on board and also making a good return for me as well. So it's kind of become more eclectic. But my speciality is definitely around the property sector, I would say. Yeah, you've had a, a, you know, a good broad array uh, of experience there with, with various things. So really, uh, I suppose going back to when you were talking sort of 19, rolling on 20, and even before that, um, you know, as I'm sure I know I did, I know Nick probably did as well, we had like little side hustles in our sort of teenage years where we got the little thirst for entrepreneurship and, and, and making money essentially. Um, what did that look like for you? What, what were your kind of things you got involved with and how did you first realise you wanted to go into business? I think, I think, like, I don't want to go into the argument of nature versus nurture and stuff like that. Maybe we'll end up discussing it. But, like, my my attitude has always been quite entrepreneurial. So my nature has always been, uh, like, if I, if I want something, I usually got it but not from a spoiled point of view. It's because I go, if I, if I want, if I need another hundred grand this month, I'll make it. If the need is there, I'll go and get it. Cause I'll hustle. I'll work more hours than everyone else. Um, all of that sort of thing. Um, so I've always had that attitude. My mum has never had money. Um, my mum and dad split up when I was very young, so three months old. And so my mum's always single mum, four kids, 
Um, never made money, but always an incredibly good saver. So I learned that from my mom. My yeah. dad on the other side was pretty good at making money and even better at spending it. So he was the guy that earned the money Monday to Friday and then pissed it up the wall Saturday and Sunday, right? Mm, yeah. um, he's swearing okay on this podcast, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fine, yeah. I swear a bit naturally. So I learned little bits of that. So there was always that little hustle and drive. I think uh, somebody asked me this about a month ago and I really reflected on it. I think the first genuine entrepreneurial thing was Pokemon cards. Um, Pokemon cards, when I was in year three, um, so I would have been what is that, seven going eight, I think, mm. three. Um, and I was just on it. Like, I was obsessed with Pokemon cards. You know, like, I don't know if you you, you were like this, but you'd go to yeah. sleep hearing um, the Game Boy sounds. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you just like, this is, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> it's probably bad that we all relate to hearing yeah. whatever city you're in. It's just playing do it a little. So I collected the original um 150 got mu as well and i was like yeah this is awesome and then i started trading but because i had the cards i never saw any value in having duplicates so i just sold them yeah, yeah. um that lasted about three weeks you know like but i made like a few hundred pounds um at that age and it was just like oh my god like you know eight years old it was like jesus so then it was loads of little hustles from that like um then it was like and it always come from need actually so then it was i wanted the playstation 3 um and that was when i was around 15 i think it was 15 16 they came up to my birthday so it came out in like september october my birthday's in november november 7th and i said to my mom that birthday i was like buy me this i think it was cool PlayStation. She was like, you don't have a PlayStation. Like, and we had a budget of 50 quid um, yeah. for our birthdays. And I was like, get me the game. I'll figure out how to do it. And then it was donuts and steak bakes. So I'd go down to the local SO garage where it was five donuts for a pound and I'd sell them for 50p each. And then Greg's was down the road and it shut down. And so when it shut down, all of these like guys at the end of school would go and get steak bakes and stuff like that, which was like pound fifty. So then I'd go to Iceland, get five it was not steak in there. It might be rabbit, a bit of horse. Um, and I'd defrost them and my mum would cook them better. And then I'd sell them for one pound cold at school or one pound 50 heated up. And then I'd pay the dinner lady 20 pence to heat them up. Uh, okay. and, I just did that. and again, got like hundreds of pounds, bought the PlayStation and then stopped. So there were loads of little hustles, loads of little hustles. And then whilst I was at university, I couldn't afford my um, rent. Um, my dad unfortunately passed away when I was younger, 13, and my mum, as I said, no money. Good saving, but no money. So I had to pay the rent myself, and student loan obviously all goes on beer, as we know. Um, so there was no money left over for rent. So I started trading, started getting pretty good at it. People started giving me some money and stuff like that. And then during the days, instead of going to uni, because obviously nobody actually goes to learn, right? Um, <laughs> I'd be watching Homes Under the Hammer. I think it was like 10 o'clock every, every morning, something like that. And I'd just watch Homes yeah. Under the Hammer. And I was so cocky. Um, and I'd just be watching, like, these, these are idiots. Martin and Lucy, obviously, you see as the experts. They're on TV giving all the uh, advice and stuff. Um, and then the, the people on there would just ignore all of their advice and still make a load of money. So I used to just be cocky and just think, well, if these idiots can do it, anyone yeah. can right and i'd had a pretty hands-on background like I'd, I'd been laboring and stuff like that so i just thought yeah i'm an expert had some money uh, left over sold i was doing some trading at the time sold it off had a bit of money 
had the 10 months like we can go back to this if we want to but i don't want to spend ages on it um just because you know i'm talking about other things but basically i sold it and had about a quarter of a million and it was some pretty sudden money and but what happens when you give an 18 19 year old that amount of money that has never had it before year of their life right mm-hmm. so in the next 10 months i spent about 230 grand wow. and uh, that was good going I was quite impressed with myself. The worst thing is I didn't have anything to show for it. So it's not like I had a cool car or a motorbike. It was just showing off, um, you know, tables, trying to look good to other people like you do when you're younger. Yeah. Um, and anyway, somebody ended up sort of getting in the way and stopping me and going, look, you need to sort your shit out because you're either going to be amazing, people will learn from you, all of that sort of thing, or you'll end up in prison. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a talk. Um, you know, so I sort of reflected on it. I went, well, I don't want to do that. Where can I place my money? Properties seems to be what I know. Let's do that. Yeah. And I bought a property, 36 Burdett Street in Burnley. It was a £21,800, a three-bed mid-terrace property. Um, can't get a mortgage. Bought it cash with the remaining money. Put yeah. works on it, all of that. And the idea was I'll buy a property spend about 10 grand on it and then refurb it for, uh, refinance a 40 grand right and then just buy property forever yeah. turns out it's not quite that simple being 200 miles away from a property everything that could go wrong went wrong refinancing a 40 grand harder than you think or nigh on impossible nowadays yeah. um so yeah didn't know any of that stuff so that was really where it all started making every mistake and i almost gave up actually and then it was my business partner that sort of introduced me to a training company said look you need to come and look at this sort of thing um went there and i was the guy at the back of the room like that like you idiots like you run into the table all of that sort of thing like they've just told you everything you need to know and then there was one course where i was like geez actually that sounds perfect for what we need but I didn't have any money at all, like credit card, just no, like it's nothing. And yeah. uh, I called my business partner, Dan, and I went, you know what? There was one particular course. He was like, was it this one? I was like, yeah. I was like, sounds amazing. And I was like, what for that? I went, why is that? He went, because I've signed up for both of us. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I signed up for both of us. I got a credit card and put it on that. I was like, what if I'd said no? He's like, well, then I'd be screwed, wouldn't I? But <laughs> because of his decision, actually, of doing that, because I never would have signed up. Like, yeah. like I've always been a, if I don't have the money, I don't have the money. That was my attitude at that point. Um, whereas he was, well, if it's good, it sorts everything out, doesn't it? Because you start making money. So that was his, thanks to him, that was the sort of catalyst, if you like, for everything else that's come since. Rolling back to when you say 18, 19, you're talking about trading. Is that trading property or is that different types of trade, like trading? No, coffee, stocks some indices so like the Hang Seng was a really popular one that I traded um, and I got pretty good at it but I hated it um, yeah. so I've always been good with like recognising patterns so I technical traded um, it wasn't fundamentals back then so it was all on candlesticks Fibonacci stuff like that um, just getting geeky with it and I, I just I just happened to be good at recognising patterns and things and understanding it so but as I said, I hated it because I love being around people. I love chatting with people. I really enjoy spending time with people. And trading is not that. Yeah. Um, not trading on your own. It's incredibly lonely and things like that. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm making money but not enjoying it. So somebody offered um, to help write an algorithm with it to okay. trade and do things. And then somebody bought that off me. 
So I was like, write them out. They they made me sign something to say I couldn't follow the same steps and all of that, but I didn't want to anyway. In my head at that time, they massively overpaid me because I would have walked away from it with for a drink, you know. Whereas actually, in hindsight, they probably massively underpaid me. Do you think that entrepreneurial spirit is something that you've increased over time, or do you think that that was it? That's always been there and just adapted it. It's It's a really interesting question, and something I should probably spend more time reflecting on because it's kind of like a salesperson. Can you learn how to be a salesperson? Absolutely. There's a system, there's feedback loops, all of that sort of thing. Mm. Um, But there are natural salespeople as well. Like naturally extroverted people typically are more natural salespeople. So I do think there's a natural like, this is just who I am. I've always had that in me. Yeah. But I do think nature has a huge impact on that. And it just comes and comes and comes. So a lot of what I've had is through pain. Um, yeah. And I don't mean, like, physical pain. Yeah. But we were just discussing this, actually. Um, that if, um, like, a big part of what I've been going through in the growth in the business has come from something going wrong, and me going, oh shit, how are we going to deal with this? Yeah. Like, so, um, you know, the obstacle is the way, if you've read that book, or the problem, I would say the problem is the solution. I actually did a Facebook post recently about that, and it just just come from my head. Like, I've had loads of problems through lockdown, and yeah. because of that, you need a solution, because there's either you're going to break because of it, but if you fix that, then naturally it gets a lot better. So... When you then get in the swing of things, and to directly answer the question, Nick, I think that entrepreneurism was always there, but it does naturally grow because it's very rarely that you're okay in business. Yeah. Like, it, it gets a bit poor if it is. You're either dying or thriving. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. You know? And so when there's these problems, it either makes you or break you. And the, the reason for that is... Um, We've, we've just had a really senior member of staff give giving their notice, right? Yeah. And um, they're going to be leaving in December. And that sort of position in a senior role could go, oh, shit, everything's going to fall around here. Mm. Or you go, okay, actually, what are the positives that come from that? There's loads. I get to step in. I get to jump on the phones. I get to show them how I used to do more of those things and how they need to be running it. And actually after sitting with them, it's kind of like, oh, wow, that bit, the training really has been lacking. Well, mm. that's really good. These are the holes, all of that. So I actually think that's going to be a massive burst of results come January, February, March from that happening. And naturally, momentum builds momentum. The yeah. hardest thing in anything is inertia. So if you think about a car, right, what's the strongest gear in the car? Most people automatically go gear five, right? No, it's not. It's the first gear. Yeah. Yeah. If it's the first gear, you need to go from a complete standstill, that inertia, it's kind of like moving a rock. It's why most people give up, by the way, because the first three years, I mean, business is horrible all the way, right, really? Yeah. But the first three years of business is horrible. It's so hard, right? And if you're finding it easy, you're going to love it down the line because it just gets more and more momentum. Your problems get bigger, but problems when you're making a million a year, a lot easier to fix, if you have a 20 grand problem today fuck that's yeah. annoying yeah, yeah, yeah. deal yeah. with it build on it you have a 20 grand problem in month one of your business yeah. that could put you off for life yeah so you naturally build your problems get better and i always say you earn the level of problem mm. the, the problems that i've got 
I didn't earn them three years ago. They would cripple me. I've earned my way to these level of problems because now I can apply the equivalent solution. And so I know that's a really verbose answer to maybe what you wanted, but... No, no, I completely agree with you, yeah. Yes, I do think it grows. And I think you earn more of it as you go along. And something we've, me and Jim have talked about, you know, ourselves, but also previous podcasts is, is I think sometimes it grows by bringing in people around you as well. So you've touched on obviously your business partner that's, you know, just from what you've just said is, seems to have a different mindset when you come, like you say, you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't necessarily have spent it because you, you'd rather build up that cash and then do it where maybe he had a more risky approach and was like, okay, let's just walk. If we, if it's going to be beneficial, let's whack it on the credit card. You know, how, did you sit down and, and look at what each, each of you had or did, was it just a pure coincidence that you went into business together? So Dan and I went to um, the same school, um, same senior school. So we were, 11 12 when we met and we yeah. were in very very different people and it's kind it's kind of weird actually because if you meet me and dan people make very similar natural assumptions about us that often are the complete opposite so i'm marketing and sales yeah and you know i'm stood up on stage and i'm doing the talking so people i think naturally make a oh you must be like cash everywhere all of that yeah. whereas actually i'm really analytical with money I have set systems with money, personal finances, um, money saved, all of that. That's me. Dan's more flamboyant with the money, but he's also incredibly analytical. It's re- it's a really weird one where, like, if you have you ever heard of disc profiling? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got dominant, influential, yeah, yeah, yeah. security, and then conscientious. Naturally, you'd think I'm a high D character. Um, dominant influential which I am in some aspects and then I am the stark opposite of some and then it's really weird and then Dan is really high D and I in the other areas and then high SC but when we were at school we were in very different groups we just had a bit of a chance meet on the bus once and there's a whole story around that really not particularly interesting one but um, so we end up meeting and then we started all these little side hustles when we were like 14, 15, 16 and we'd be sat there. I mean, silly things, right? We'd um, we sold moon dust at one point, love rocks, where we'd go and get like these move rocks from the beach, and then go to the DT lab, design tech, and etch in whatever people wanted to sold it for thirty quid. You know, loads of little things like that, where it was just fun. And we just, do you know what? Most of all, we just enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. Um, yeah. As as kids, and we and most of the hours we spent with each other would be either writing each other's homeworks of what we were good at, and yeah. don't tell my teachers that, but, you know, that sort of thing, or hustling on something. And that's yeah. what we did. Like, it was that Nintendo Wii, PlayStation, and and working on little things. And so it just... I don't ever remember a conversation with Dan where it was like, we're going to go into business with each other. Yeah. It just happened. It, yeah. was, it was a really sudden thing. So he took a gap year before uni, and I didn't. So after he was in uni of York, I was in London. So when I left uni, um, I decided I was going to move up to up north. Um, so it was going to be easier and we'd pick leads. And I just decided, look, we'll give it a full year. And if I hate it, what's a year in the grand scheme of things at that age? And if yeah. it's really good, amazing. Um, and I just set up the business and started working and started pushing whilst Dan was doing his final year. We, I, yeah. I don't think we ever discussed it. And then it was just a uh, cool. 
when you finish uni, he went back home for a couple of months and I went, well, right, when are you finding your flat up here? And it was like, oh, right, yeah, I suppose I should. And there's loads of pros and cons that have come to that. There's loads of things that really piss me off about him um, and what he's good at and what he's shit at. And there's loads of stuff that I do that pisses him off. But, um, and there's always like, there's one thing that's consistent is we're here, we want to get there, and we are very clear that that's where we want to go to. We're very aligned on that. Our ways of getting there are very different, and that can be frustrating. But the number one thing we've got is 100% trust in each other. And one thing I I don't think I'll be able to find in anyone else is 100% loyalty. So, like, like, I mean, literally, if I needed to put a million pounds in his bank account, and he just went, I need a million pound on my bank account. It wouldn't even cross my mind, um, like, to not do it. It'd just be like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and I think that is why it works so well. That and, and why I'm never really worried about the future, because I know we've got each other's backs. You know, being an entrepreneur is bloody lonely um, yeah. at the best of times. It's really hard because people externally don't understand you. Um, you know, how could they? We're weird. Mm. Like, right, you, you can't expect to be like the 1% or want the 1% and expect for the 99% to understand what you're doing. Yeah. It just isn't logical. So I think it's really valuable to have people around you that are thinking like that because, you know, business isn't a set up and make a load of money. Most of the time, it's you're doubling your hours and halving your pay, yeah. um, you know, and then you go on holiday, you're not getting paid. Uh, and you stop selling, you're not getting paid, you stop processing, you're not getting paid. Holiday, don't be stupid. Sick pay, don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, so having those people is really important. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting point. There's two, two things there, and one is obviously with, with business partners. I mean, I've I've had partners in, in the respects of joint venture partners in certain particular things. I've had a business partner in one business, um, you know, but I suppose having that pure um, relationship with someone where it is both of you together and you've got a clear goal going for it and you know you're committed is there are pros and cons to it but like you said it's you're both in it together and you've always got each other's backs and if you're quite not because like I say entrepreneurship is is lonely um, definitely especially this this whole lockdown and coronavirus it's difficult to go out and meet and see other people I think people lose touch of what a business is for um and, you know, people talk a really big game, and I think most people are full of shit. I want to change this. No, you don't. You just want to make some fucking money. Like, right, you you did not, like, Nick, you did not become a commercial broker because you want to change the landscape or something. You want to make some money, and you're good at that, right? Yeah, yeah. But people forget a business is there to facilitate what you want in life. Yeah, and the, and it's sad seeing these people lose touch where their life becomes their business. Mm. And uh, I can't remember who first said this to me, but it's like, date your business, marry your life. Um, and the same in relationships, you know, you marry your wife or your husband or your partner, whatever it is, date your business. Because people lose so much touch of actually connecting to what it is. So, um, you know, I always, I always say to Dan, like when we're making decisions, we've had some opportunities to earn stupid money, but I just didn't agree with what it was, I didn't agree with how it is. And I always think that how you make your money is more important than how much money you make, Uh, right? And I promise you, I I found it at a quarter of a million a year. Once you get past a quarter of a million a year profit, and I know that's a stupid amount of money, by the way, but once you get above that, 
the extra 100 grand, I promise you, it will not make much more difference to your life at all. So then it really becomes about relationships, enjoying every day, getting your exercise in, just really being fucking happy about what you're doing. The problem that I find is getting to a quarter of a million takes a bloody long time because growth isn't linear. It's a curve, right? And the curve at the bottom is, if you look at it, it looks flat. Yeah. I mean, actually, you have it like that, right? Ups yeah. and downs, ups and yeah. downs. But the problem is, if you have this mindset of, yeah, the destination's there, and I hate this line, but you need to enjoy the journey um, a lot more because actually what tends to happen for a lot of people is they'll spend 10 years getting to that financial goal. They'll realize that they get that financial goal and realize it makes them no happier because they're still waking up in the same bed, still driving the same car, going to the same office 99% of the time. And then you've neglected all of the reasons why um, you did it in the first place. I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to travel the world. It's like, how many people say that? And obviously, like I stand on stage and educate, and they're the most common too. And I always check in with people, or I check in a lot. Most of them don't travel at all and barely see their kids because they're working so hard. And it's like, I think staying connected, like, I love money, like, and I'm not, I'm not turning into some hippie suddenly, like, I am pure capitalist, love money, obsessed, obsessed with building and stuff like that, but I'm not going to be on my deathbed going, oh, I wish I made another million. I'm just not going to be about the relationships and connection, and I just think that's a really important thing when you're building this up. It's great that people are watching this and building up and educating themselves. But stay connected to why you're doing it in the first place. And I think business partnerships, linking back to that, what you were saying, Jim, is at the end of the day, no matter how good or bad it was, can you have a beer with your mate? Yeah. You know, enjoying what you're doing. And that's what it's all about for me, I think. Some people get too fixated on numbers as well. Something I saw on Facebook, you know, people are like, oh, I want to earn five, six, seven grand a month, blah, blah, blah. But actually, when you sit back and think, right, okay, my bills come to a grand and my lifestyle comes to 1500 and that would be so good. Like you can live off two and a half grand a month and actually be rich in your own eyes because you think, right, okay, I don't actually have to go up and go to work today because I am rich enough to just live off. And, and that's not 10 grand a month. That's whatever you figure you need to work out. And that's what a lot of people I talk to, you know, quite a few young entrepreneurs are like, oh yeah, I want to earn 10 grand a month. And I'm like, it's always 10 grand. Thing. It's always 10 grand. Yeah, it is. Always. Like, Where's that number come from? <laughs> yeah. Like, what costs 10 grand a month? Like, exactly. seriously, how many cars are you having? I, I always find, like, the, the thing is, as you grow up, and Nick, you've, you've hit it on the head there. Um, where It's this weird mindset, isn't it? Yeah. So I was chatting to a friend of mine. He's over in Northern Ireland named uh, Phil Graham. Um, he's in the fitness industry. It's pretty big in it. Um, and he nets after everything, 100K a month. And I'm like, that's some serious money. I was like, you live off three grand? He was like, yeah, yeah. So a couple of yeah. like, holidays, he was like, but yeah, like, that's my life. Like, I love yeah. it. And the yeah. thing is, like, and he, he sort of reconnects me to it as well, is as you get older, you tend to make more money naturally, like as you know, you progress and everything gets cheaper. And I don't mean literally because there's inflation and stuff like that. But once you bought your house, like you've saved up that deposit and you've bought your home, you've bought your home, yeah. right? And you might upgrade your home, but there's only so many upgrades you can do. There's only so many cars you could possibly want. There's only so many assets you can have. And then everything becomes experience. How many houses do you want? Like, exactly. like yeah. I don't mean investments, but I mean like the, the one you live in, 
So then it is about experiencing it, right? Actually spending your money, the holidays, the trips, the spa weekends, whatever it is you want to do, so easy to lose the connection to that. I think one of the downsides of social media is um, everyone compares themselves against the Joneses, right? Yes. What's the phrase? Is it keeping up with the Joneses? Um, Something like that. thing is, Joneses used to be your next-door neighbor, didn't they? You know, oh, their windows are a bit nice and nice, or yeah, they've got really yeah. well-kept grass, and oh, look at their BMW, I've only got a, I don't know, a Honda, whatever it is. Now, it's the world, you know, girls look at bikini models and think they've got horrible body. Guys, we look at these guys and think, fucking hell, does everyone and their dog have a six-pack suddenly? Um, yeah. You know, I think that when dad bod become a thing, a lot of us were like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my shape is sexy, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, but in our world, in the investment world, there's always doing some, there's always somebody doing better than you. And even worse, they feel the need to show their best version of themselves. So everyone's talking about the 20 grand deal that they just did. And you just did a 10 grand deal, which is fucking mega. But now you look and go, shit, it's 10 grand bad. Yeah. You know, you get yeah. two, three grand a month and you're over the moon because you're financially free now, Nick. But some other guys just on 15k, and you're like, you know, you know, and so this the self-perpetuating fear of being less than someone else just kicks in, and and you know we are in the the decade of anxiety and yeah. pressure because we think that somebody else's success makes yours a failure. Like, I mean, I know we're going on massive tangents here, but no, no, I agree. I, I actually, again, with me and Jim have talked about it in the past. Is I do think for young entrepreneurs now, that is the hardest thing for them to start a business now because they go onto Instagram and there's there's ten people on a different beach sat in a, a rented out Lamborghini because that's the image they want to give across. And they're like, I have to be this in the space of six months, or I'm failed. And you know, six months down the line. You, I, everyone knows it isn't going to happen like that, and they're thinking, "Oh, I failed," and and it's just it's so hard to to see that because you know you talk to so many people and they're like, "Oh, okay, I can't do it because of you know this or what, what are they going to think? What you know, what what can I post? I see this, and you're like, just it, it's not like that in real life. You just need to just get on with it." Yeah, I think showing material items is the easiest for people to see. But there's so many areas of life. So there's relational, situational, mental, educational, Mm. all of these different angles, spiritual, um, your friendships, whatever it is, the only one that you can physically see on Facebook is aesthetical, like your body and your financial, okay? Mm. People can show the, oh, I'm subtly going like that and showing a 20 grand watch. This isn't, this is like a fit thing, but you know, um, 20 quid. Um, but you know, but, oh yeah, I'm subtly showing a picture of my Lamborghini, but look at my yeah. phone. I've just, you know, shit like that. Don't measure yourself against people because when you're measuring like that, I love comparing myself um, for inspiration. Like I'd love to inspire for that and stuff like that. But when you're comparing yourself against someone, first of all, you are not the same age in the same situation with the same upbringing, with the same finance made available. There's so many components to what made that person a success. Okay, there's so many different things. You might be looking at your level two to their level 56. Mm-hmm. You might be looking at a 29-year-old and not realizing that I was hustling with bits when I was 16, 17. I, part of what made me who I am today is my dad dying when I was 13, you know? Would you give that? Would you exchange that? 
would you have 15, 16 years less with your dad to have more success in your finances? Mm. Most people would say no. You don't know what mental struggles somebody's having. You don't like, I, I really struggle with anxiety. Um, I wouldn't say I've got depression um, as such, but I have moments where I feel really down in myself. I feel really lonely as an entrepreneur. Mm. And I don't want to go down that track with this, but like the point is, if I, if I pull up in my Ferrari next year, easy to get jealous of that person, isn't it? Like mm. when you see an extension yeah. of my cock suddenly pulling up next year. So you don't know you don't know what's going on with the person. No, you don't know what they've had to give up because what I see with somebody with a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, flying in a private jet is I always think now, what sacrifices have they had to make? Because I promise you, they have made sacrifices have. Yeah. through sleep, yeah. probably relationships, their health. Yeah. And the problem is it's so easy to look at somebody as successful just from the amount of money that they portray to have. But remember, there are other areas and avenues in life. And, uh, you know, if you're fat, morbidly obese and about to die from high blood pressure at 60, all the money in the world is not likely to help you. And it's that whole Buddha thing, isn't it? Um, I think it was the Dalai Lama, actually, that said this man has become this thing where they focus on making so much money and they forfeit yeah. their health for wealth. And then in the later years, they spend their wealth yeah. on pills yeah. and so just just really connect yourself to there are so many angles and spokes to the wheel of life that just because one spoke is strong and you're seeing that because it's protruding as an asset in front of you doesn't mean that person isn't suffering yeah, yeah. they might have an incredible family back at home mm. they might have family issues at home you don't yeah. know what happens right there yeah. so, just, just try not to attach it to one outcome, and I think it's so easy to. Going on to, I, I suppose, a bit more about your um, where you're at now than than Jamie, or the sort of past few years. Obviously, you're in your your property um, business and then grew, and you obviously touched on a couple of things you're involved with. How did you get into that position? Was it a case of you got the property business to be relatively self-sufficient and? then allow yourself to come out of that a bit more or Not naturally as you build up you I tend you tend to replace yourself so the yeah. a book that was quite pivotal that took us from a job to a business was e-myth revisited michael e gerber yeah um really good book and it's broken down into three parts and it's the first part's like if you're thinking about starting a business then it's if you've got a business and then if you want to sell a business um, and essentially, the, the whole thing was, if you don't have systems and you don't have people, you don't have a business, right? Because it relies on you 24-7. Now, I'm actually of the opinion where the business always relies on some of you. Otherwise, you're not a business owner, you're more of an investor. So you can have silent investors in businesses, right? Which I am as well in a couple of others. But um, you're always on the board. You always have an input and strategic input because if you're not, why would you invest in it if you've got no value to really add unless it's like shares in a ridiculous public company, right? So I started, we, we mapped out this organizational chart and it was like people thought we were absolutely ridiculous. I've still actually got the original one that we had on the wall in my home office now. And um, yeah. it's basically business owner, managing director, head of sales, head of marketing, head of operations, all of that, all the way down to who cleans the office. And it would be Jamie and Dan. So Jamie and Dan, Jamie and Dan, Jamie, Dan, Jamie, Dan, Jamie, Dan. Dan. And what we did is, first of all, what are the obvious ones? Sales and marketing, cool, that's going to be me. Uh, yeah. Operations, Dan's going to be doing a load of that. 
and then it'd be the jobs that neither of us want, you know, cleaning the office, right? Yeah. And then what we did is we put a monetary value on it. How much we think it's worth to us, how much it costs to us. So for example, how much is cleaning the office worth to us? Pretty low, doesn't make us any money, doesn't really do much, doesn't add value to other people, doesn't add value to us, right? How much does it cost to outsource? Well, at that point, it was like £8 an hour. I'm not yeah. sure what it is now, maybe like £12 an hour, whatever it is, something like that. Um, so we started measuring that. And then what we did is we listed jobs we love, jobs we hate, and we did it in that order. And then we just had this matrix where we measured what we love and hate, what it costs to outsource, did like a cross matrix of what averaged out to the bottom. So it might be this is the cheapest and it's fifth on what we hate, but it would be the lowest. And we just started outsourcing. And we didn't do it all at once. There's people that go outsource as quickly as possible. If, you're, if your worth time's worth £100 an hour, you should be outsourcing everything below that. It's the most stupid advice I've ever heard. Right? Yeah. Unless you can work every single hour that you are replacing with another £100 an hour, that's not real. So my yeah. time right now is worth around £1,000 an hour, right? But it's worth £1,000 an hour spending, say, 20 hours a week on this stuff because I spend the 20 hours on stuff that might be worth £50 an hour that facilitates that. So it only makes sense to outsource everything else if, say, I hire somebody to take five hours of my time up. It only makes sense if I'm then going to be able to replace that with something higher than what those hours are running, okay? Yeah. People seem to miss that out, and it's it's what cripples a lot of business because they focus so much on outsourcing. Then they're kind of left like, what do I do? And that's been a battle, by the way. We've done it. We've hired people and gone, well, actually, what do we do with our time now because there's not suddenly more leads to call. There's not yeah. more people to close. There's not more people to, you know, so let's take education as an example, right? If yeah. I stand on a stage to 100 people for a day, and I sell something for 10 grand, and let's say 20 people take that. So that's 200,000, right? Great, my time's worth 200,000 a day. No, it's not. It's like, unless you don't need to facilitate anything, which is ridiculous, because otherwise you're not giving the service, and you can have 100 new people every single day turning up, mm. and that is a ridiculous notion, right? Yeah. Actually, what I can maybe do is one of those a month, but there's going to be a hundred grand costs in marketing staff taking care of the back end and I need to facilitate it. So it's not quite that straightforward, but that's how you end up building a business where you hire some, you fire some, you hire some more, you fire some, then there's a big shift in culture. So then half the people leave and then you get operations manager and then more people leave because they don't like the operations manager. Then you hire people again. And it's just this kind of like an ebbs and flow. But the idea is, in the peaks, you want to push high, higher than the last peak. And in the troughs, as it's coming down, you want it to be higher than the last trough. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is, okay? You will never get like that. The ups want to be higher and the risks want to be lower. The ups want to be higher and it keeps on going like that as you're going up. And that's it. You know, it's just keep on hitting away. It's like a scratch hammer. Just keep chipping away. Just yeah. a little bit. Everyone's focused on getting these huge movements in property. You see these people, I want to do this five million pound development. Mm. Why? Buy a 70 grand house. Right? Yeah. Refurb it, sell it on, make 10 grand. Then buy another one. Yeah. Make some mistakes. Then maybe buy a house. If you want to do some developments, buy a house with a bit of land on the side of it. 
So you've got a house there that's an asset, rent it out, get it, um, get some planning and then build it and maybe sell it. You know, and build it up. People are so obsessed with going from zero to hero, but actually it's the small things, yeah. the tiny things that you do on a day-to-day basis that have a dramatic impact. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's it. So that creates the cash flow as well, doesn't it? What a lot of people don't realise when they're starting a business is they suddenly want, like you've touched on, they want to do these massive developments, but they've realised, you know, that's going to take a year, two years, you know, when you took planning in place as well, three years, four years, and they're having no income during that whole time, sat there, like you say, it's better off working up, you know, 70 grand in the house, it generates 500 pound a month, you know, one, two, three of those a month, you've got a bit of cash flow coming in, then you can start to focus on the bigger thing. And it's working, like you've touched on with the staff, it's working on that that upward slope, but a steady incline over time, um, which is what we see a lot of people making mistakes on. You're spot on. You remember earlier when I said a 20K mistake now, compared yeah, to, yeah. that's the same with developments. People are yeah. obsessed with doing these big numbers. So it's kind of like now, say we're doing, probably about 75 to 100k a month profit now so if i said right i'm gonna buy that plot with land next to it right and i sunk my money into it and i was aiming in 18 months to get my money back and 100 grand profit right i'm in a situation now where i can probably buy one of those every two months Mm. and if it's delayed by another six months that's probably going to cost me 20 grand you know because of the the opportunity cost stuff like that earn another month, like, grow up, get over it, learn from it. If that happened at the start where people are getting lending on it, then trying to get investors at 10% a year, all of that stuff, and that's great, by the way, use other people's money, but they treat it like it's nothing. And each month on that level, you know, say you've got 300 grand out and you're paying an average of 1% a month, that's 3,000 pounds, you know? And people, people don't think of that. So, yeah, it's a, the thing is, I'm, again, I'm a hypocrite because I want everything now, right? But we're all kids. Like, you know, even, even if you're listening to this and you're 55, still years, years. Like, the, the worst, the quickest way to become poor is to try and get rich quick. Yeah, I'm 29, but it's been almost 10 years, you know, and growth is like that. The first five years were a lot of effort and not a lot of pay. It comes back to the very basics of entrepreneurship and people wanting to, you know, start businesses, start earning money and, and realising it's going to take time, it's going to be hard work, but if you've got that end goal in sight and you're willing to put the time in, it's, it's going to reap rewards, isn't it? You touched on earlier about um, social media and sort of presences on that and how other people are perceived and um, obviously you've got quite a big following on, on social media self um, how do you find that how have you found the growth of it and how do you find it helps with your your businesses personal brand is definitely the most important in my opinion um, I kind of see it as if I've got a personal brand I'm kind of like I'm stood there with a fire hydrant right like a hose or whatever it is and okay. I can have my multiple businesses and then a business can go Jamie need a bit of love over here um you know say say each one's got a bucket that they need to fill in out of water and then a salesperson's job is to empty that water right so the water represents the leads in the funnel and the sales represents getting the water out so my job is to fill the buckets their job is to empty it who wins who cares just keep on doing it so if there's a business over here that needs more leads i'll start 
positioning content slightly differently and angling people towards that. So I see it as a, a facilitator, as a personal brand to what business needs the attention at that time. And that's the great thing about personal brand. The other cool thing about personal brand is businesses fail. You, you're an absolute idiot to think yours won't. Right? I'm not saying you, I'm saying if you're, yeah. you're why yeah. you, right? There's, there's a high, it's more than likely you will fail in business. So, what, like the, do you know what's great is you live in the Western world and in the Western world is you don't get punished that much for a failed business here. Um, your punishment is close your business. You can declare bankruptcy in your, in your business, which I haven't done, but it's really not a big deal as much as you would think. Yeah. You know, people think it cripples you for life. It doesn't now. It's quite a normal thing. It's relatively standardized and it gives you an opportunity to build it up. Um, so that's why I think personal brands really important. I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is, yeah, I've got a relatively big following, um, which is cool. Um, it's a bit of an admin nightmare because I probably get like 50 to hundred messages a day. Um, yeah. now, so it mounts up, but more importantly than the size of your following, um, is what you're actually doing with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is I know some big players and people we both know, and I won't, won't mention names they're obsessed with having a hundred thousand followers and all of that and all yeah. they do is ever produce content and i think the difference between a good marketer and a great marketer is go to their comments okay and see how they engage with people because these people i'm not i'm not perfect by this by the way i don't sit there replying to every single comment but most of the time i do right so on my youtube channel um only just started that um probably about three months ago now, but the growth has gone pretty steep. I've got like 1,200 subscribers at the time of filming there, so it's relatively small, but I am replying to every single comment on there, every single one, and not just thanks, like proper, like I'll write a paragraph. Somebody asks a question, I'll write out something that is genuinely adding value because that's that person coming back. That's a person that when I sell something, they'll probably buy. And that's the thing, right? So... The big mistake people make through social media is they seem to treat it like it's called media. They seem to have forgotten the social aspect, mm. right? The benefit of social media is you can talk to a thousand people at once. The yeah. downside of social media is you can talk to a thousand people at once, right? And you don't do anything with that. The best thing I can do is, let's say I do a Facebook Live and it gets 2,000 individual people going on it. It's not paying the bills. That's my ego fed a little. That's nice. I feel good about myself. But then what happens is, let's say 50 people like it, share it, or comment on it. Let's say 50 individual people. Everyone that likes it, I just send a personal message. Hey, Jim, thanks for liking my most recent post. I just wanted to show my appreciation for engagement. It really helps the algorithm on Facebook. That's it. Copy and paste message. That's all I say. If you commented on it, I'd reply to meaningful comments. And then I'd message you, Jim, just want to say great engagement on that post, mate. Really interesting point of view. Are you involved in property as well by any chance? Opening a dialogue, opening a conversation. Yeah. So now after chatting with you a bit, you might be a potential investor to lend me money. You might be a potential investor that can buy some deals with on trading. Or you might be somebody that needs some education and I can educate you, right? But the point is, I'm just reaching out and having a chat. And, and that's the way it works. The whole idea of social media, I think, is to take it one-to-many to yeah. one-to-one and build that relationship and give a shit. Whereas I think a lot of people on social media just pump it out, pump it out, pump it out. Some people will come in from that. Yeah. 
you don't need a hundred thousand followers. You, you need a hundred. You know, they say you have a thousand true fans, and you'll never go broke in your life. And that's it. That's all it ever is. And it's the same with networking. You know, people obsessed with going to networking. Um, stand up, saying a really good pitch, which is great. That's better than not doing a pitch, right? Um, so you've stood up, you've got attention, and then they go, "Here's business card, here's business card, here's business card," and then you collect your business cards. You go, "Woohoo!" You get home, put it in your top drawer, and never fucking look at them again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of going, "Oh, hi Jim, how are you getting on?" Yeah, yeah, really good. Oh, what is it you do? Asking it, is this somebody that I want to engage further? Jim, amazing. Look, mate, great meeting you. We're at a networking event. What would be amazing is, are you staying after this at all? We could grab a drink if you like. Oh, no, I need to get home to kids. Oh, no worries. Look, obviously, this is a networking event, and you're going to meet loads of people. Do you mind if I note down your number, and are you up for grabbing a coffee in the next week or so? Yeah. Brilliant. So you're networking. You you don't want to spend an hour with just Jim, because Jim might be a waste of time. Um, I might want to move on and talk to Nick. He's much nicer, you know. (laughs) Um, But... Then what I actually do is call you. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you met me, um, if you remember me from last night, my name's Jamie. I'm the guy with the weird moustache because it's Movember. Um, there's no other reason. Um, and um, you mentioned you were in property doing X, Y, Z. Um, you're up for grabbing a coffee. Actually doing that, actually engaging. The thing yeah. is, if you met with one, I know now we're in lockdown. If you met with one person a week that you met on social media. Yeah. And genuinely just thought, how can I add value to this person? Even if you're not going to make money from them directly from doing that, I promise you, you will have a successful business. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people think just turning up to these events is the hard bit. But like you say, it's not. It's actually taking the time to not run around the room, like you say, and think, right, I've spoken to 150 people today and that's mission accomplished. Actually, it's going, I've spoken to five all five of those are potentially people that I could work with, I could I could do stuff with. It is so powerful that people don't even realise. What what point in your business did you realise that actually your personal brand is, is going to be one of the most powerful things to drive the business forward more than more than other things? And and what did you do to to adapt that and, and, and sort of push it forward? Were you always quite confident? Were you always big with social media you know that sort of thing people naturally think oh you must have always been good at sales mm. or you always must have, no I wasn't I was absolutely diabolical you should have, should have heard the first phone call I actually hung up on it I was so nervous right yeah. um, I was kind of forced into it really so um, I went to a training company and they'd found out about some of the results I got nobody really heard my name um, at that point and they were like do you want to jump on stage and just um what's called just chat about what you do and I was like yeah all right then so I did really enjoyed it and I was like okay cool um and then a few people from that talk just went oh where can we get in touch for you and I'm like uh Facebook yeah. thinking yeah shit like I, I didn't even have a Facebook profile like I had a friend's one but like I was not directing people to that uh, <laughs> yeah. shit they put on it right and I was like all right I'll set up a Facebook and then after sort of doing that I got invited to another talk because I'd done that talk. And I was like, okay. And this was with a, a different company, actually. So I did another one, and then another one, and another one. And then I started to, um, hearing some employees in the office, probably about three years ago, this is when it started. Someone mm-hmm. going, oh, I just spoke to this person. I'm like, oh, I met them at an event, like probably about three months ago. Yeah, yeah, they're buying a property from us. Uh, I went, oh, right, okay, interesting. And then it was like, huh, 
they've never heard of my company before, but because I'd mentioned it on stage somewhere, and they've no like and trust me because they've now heard me. Yeah. And then they went through, and I thought, huh. So I started doing more talks. And then I thought, oh, I'll set up some socials. So when people said, where can you get it? Oh, got all my socials. If you go here and on the presentation, I go, here's a tree link. You can go on it and get all of my socials at once. Yeah. I thought, huh. So then I started cross saying, hey, jump over to my YouTube, jump over to this. And the more and more I did it, the more people were messaging out. And then I thought, well, hold on. How many people think something and actually act on it? Not, not many at all. So I thought, so how many people are engaging with my content going, oh, he's interesting. Maybe I'll touch base with him at some point. More than people that are reaching out naturally, right? So I thought, fuck it, reach out to them. So then I started reaching out and literally it'd be like, hi, Jim. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be like, uh, hi. Yeah. And I'd be like, cool, cool. <laughs> done then move on to the next. But then it'd be like, oh, hi, Jim. How are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, you. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. And then it would be, hi, Jim, thanks for engaging on my post, mate. Really hope you enjoy the content. And then it just develops bit by bit. I've, I've never been perfect, and I'm, I'm really – and I, I'm not consistent enough as what I, what I should be now. But I do more than zero, and so I get more yeah. than zero results. And you just build and build and build and get better. And then the more and more my brand has started to build – first of all, it's that um, acceleration effect and the compound effect um, where, you know, getting the first thousand subscribers, for example, on YouTube took like hard, hard three months. Um, And it was really pushing everything. The next 200 subscribers come in about a week and a half. And then, you know, hopefully like, and then you look at some of the big players, they get like 4,000 subscribers a day. And it's because of that compound effect. And it's the same thing with money. It's the same thing with socials. It's everything. It's slow, 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 and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. Small compound effect. So, no, I was never good at social media. I'm still not amazing at social media. I'm just, I'm just talking about it. I'll tell you the big shift in results that I got is I stopped trying to directly sell on yeah. social media. Yeah. I started talking about things that I thought would add value. Yeah. Um, and I started filming things and putting content out there going, this, this, this is what I would have thought at the start. This is a question I would want answered. And so as soon as I started doing that, without a pitch, sold so much more. Yeah. Same as education, actually. I used to be so focused on conversions. I'd be like, that's one, two, three. What's that as a percentage? Oh, that's a bit better than last time. Where do I, maybe I need to push harder here. Now when I'm doing it, I'm just so upfront with people. It's like, look, if you want to sign up and you expect to quit your job in three months, don't sign up. Mm. It's like, it's not, it's bloody hard. Most of you will fail. You're definitely going to cry through this period. It's going to be bloody ridiculous, but it's going to be really exciting. And I think I can genuinely help you. And because of doing that, so many more people were like, I want in, I want in. And you end up turning people away. Same as investors. So investors, I used to be like money, 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 money. And we're about to open our fund again now to do like a half million raise. Um, And that's what we do. We open a fund close it and then crack on and we maybe open a fund a couple of times a year and that's it and um it's just working a lot better where you know focusing on that value first profit second mentality and i genuinely believe if you focus on the value you can give other people you'll make money absolutely i think what gary v's got on that i saw and he said if you give out so much value and so much free content that eventually there'll be 
the people lapping up that value will become they'll feel guilty that they've not actually paid or bought something from you mm. and I thought that's quite an interesting view like if, you know, like you said if, if you give so much away on social media it gets to a point that they're like wow okay you know, I feel bad that they've given me all this for free I, I do genuinely want to take this further and that's a lot more value than going Black Friday of half my sale buzz, everything's half price and just bombarding them with, with that than it is actually giving value with it yeah it's it's the law of reciprocity isn't it um and by the way both sales work and i'm not knocking the other one i've I just found so even in the training space i noticed there were two types of trainers and i i knew what that i wanted to be the second of this so the first one is what i call gap selling i i'm going to talk about something i'm going to put just enough in that you know what it is and how you're going to benefit yeah but you need to sign up to my course and then on the course, I'm going to teach you enough where you go, oh, no, this is really good now, but just enough where you're like, there's no way I can do this without doing a mastermind yeah. and stuff like that, right? And it's gap selling, so just enough for it. By the way, my training is free content, course, and then a mastermind. So the exact same funnel, but my way of selling is slightly different. So I do that value-add thing where I try to give, and you've probably seen the amount of content I do for free. Yeah. Um, it's quite a lot. My idea is if somebody's there going, look, I know that I want to get educated. Who am I going to get educated by? This guy that gives so much value for free, imagine what I would get from a course. Mm. And then when they do my course, it's, Jesus, I've got so much value for a couple of grand. Imagine if I did a mastermind. And I know that's losing people and I know it's gaining people, but the people it gains are people that have really thought about it. There's no like run sign up for this yeah. there's no yeah. like buyer's remorse and stuff like that so i probably lose a lot of those people that are the go 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. Like, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people by the way um but i've gained people that are like no nah, actually i really want to take this to the next level i'm genuinely serious so win and lose different approaches but i like the value add with the networking and um presenting on stage and even doing lives on on facebook which some people can find really really daunting and especially new new people to business i've seen quite a few um youngsters so to speak that are, are confident enough to do lives on instagram um and even confident enough to you know to go to these face-to-face -face networking things but what tips and advice would you give to people that are new to it and actually thinking wow i really don't want to do this yeah, okay. So first of all is think about who your avatar is. Um, and what I mean by that is who are you trying to get to listen to your message and really stay connected to. It's not about getting a 1,000 views or 10,000 views. I'd rather have 10 views of from 10 people that I'm trying to actually talk to. So that's yeah. first of all. Understand who you're trying to get because you, start, you stop getting the ego around it. You start focusing on what it is. What it also does is it helps you understand the content that you need to be producing to attract those people. So in, I'll use the property sector um, as an example, but you see a lot of people that are looking for investors that suddenly think they're property educators. And you see people just do, doing lives and content, and you're like, like, I watch them and I'm like, are you trying to set up a training company? Because you went on a course like three months ago talking about what you learned there. And it's like, it's the training in the industry getting that bad. Like, you know, that it's got, I mean, you've got a lot of fakers in the training industry. You really do. Um, but is it getting that bad? No, it's not. They just don't, they've been told do lives without actually knowing the content. So if, if I want to raise finance for buy to let investors, I might do content around, look, if you're looking to get into property, 
from a passive point of view, one of the safest ways to get involved is to invest on a loan agreement. What this means is it's going to protect you um, from this angle. You're going to get a set return. And here's the five things that I would make sure that you're asking of the person you're lending to. Mm. And I'd naturally favor the five things that I know I tick the boxes, right? I'm going to be strategic yeah. about it. So, for example, I'm not going to go make sure you're investing with somebody that's gone through at least three economic cycles. So I'm 29. I haven't done that. Right. Although it feels like it the last few years, um, you, you know, so I'm not going to talk about that. So I'm going to talk about, look, look at the person. What do they have? What do you think of the person you're investing in? Do they have energy? Are they excited? Are they ambitious? Are they pushing to achieve something? You know, so that's what I'll be doing. So it's positioning the content in the right way. Yeah. Um, doing that. And again, connecting with people that are engaging you and actually bringing that in. I think that's the biggest thing with social media. Um, the, the other thing is have a conversation with people. So if yeah. you do watch my lives, so if you watch YouTube, it'll be like, hi guys, welcome to my YouTube channel. And in this video, I'm going to be covering the three steps that you need to implement in order to have a successful business. If you're interested in this, make sure to hit the subscribe button, all that sort of thing, right? A live is meant to be rough and ready, yeah. okay? Yeah. So the way that I do it, is I have a conversation with people. So I did one in a community uh, recently saying, should I quit my job? Okay, so I did it as a live and I literally just thought, well, I'm gonna do a live. This is something that I would like to know. So I literally imagine somebody's next to me and go, Jamie, I'm thinking about quitting my job. Um, I'm at the start of my business, but I'm not really sure how to do it. What would you do? Yeah. And then, so I've done some recording with like BBC and stuff. And whenever they ask me a question, they'd always say, read back the question and then answer it. So that's how I've always done it. So I imagine somebody's asked me the question and then I follow their rules. Hi guys, Jamie here. So a lot of people ask me quite a lot of the time, I'm in a situation where I'm looking to quit my job, but I'm doing X, Y, Z. Should I quit now or what should I do? So in this video, I'm just gonna cover what I would do if I were in that situation. And then I'll just talk. And if you see my lives, they are literally like, all right guys, like very just chilled out. I'm just having a chat with somebody. Yeah. And that's it. So look into the camera. Don't do this. You know, like people seem to, don't put it down below. It's a terrible angle for everyone. Even if you don't have 10 chins, it looks like you've got 10 chins. Put it just above eye level. Um, ideally, turn it to the side so it's landscape mm -hmm. rather than like that because it's much more usable against, if you want to save it and put it on LinkedIn, it looks much better, for example, so you can repurpose it. Then just have a chat. And if you lose your train of thought, just go, I have no idea what I was about to say. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, it's not edited content. So I find lives a lot more easy than edited content for some reason. Because it's just, I'm just having a chat. And, you know, it's just talking to someone. If you fuck it up, you fuck it up. Yeah. Even if you did live, by the way, and this is what I love about it. Even if you did a live and you're 20 minutes in and you go, I've drawn a blank. I've drawn an absolute blank. Nope, no idea. Guys, I'm going to come back to you if it comes back to me. I'm really sorry about that. I hope the 20 minutes was valuable for you. And if I remember, I'll jump back on. See you later. And if it's genuinely a good video, despite that, keep it. And if not, people have watched it live, delete it. It's not permanent. Leading on to the gyms, <laughs> what made you sort of venture into that? Was that just something that was a hobby that you enjoyed and just thought, actually, 
you know, this can become a business? Is it something that you obviously enjoyed and that's what led to it? Or what, what, what sort of links there? So I have a rule when I'm investing in businesses is if I couldn't run it, then I don't invest in it. Okay. Um, um, so if I don't understand the model of something, mm. like there's some wicked tech companies and maybe I'd make those my unicorn investments where, you know, I'd allocate up to 5% of my net wealth, um, not in one of them, but across the investments. I don't know how they work. They could work out really well, but I love the people running them. But if I don't understand the business, I'm not going to invest heavily into it. Mm. Um, I'm not interested. The second thing is, yes, I really enjoy fitness. Um, like I'll go work out pretty much every day. Um, it's just part of my pattern. I really think health is wealth. Um, yeah. I think health is much more important than wealth, actually, mm -hmm. um, yeah. overall. And I think it's an archaic system. Um, I think the way gyms are run on this basic, it just doesn't work. Um, I think you have to have huge amounts of people in to make a profit. And so I thought, you know what, there's a gap in the market here. Um, not like I'd be the pioneer, but people are online already. People are doing um, semi-private workshop and stuff like that. So I just thought there's a massive gap in the market there to take advantage of. What I also really like about it is it's a subscription business. And mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is if you get a customer, you have to screw up to lose a customer. Um, yeah. You know, when in deal trading and packaging, you get your five grand, your 10 grand, whatever you get from your fee. But then you need to do another one and another one and another yeah. one. Same yeah. as education. You set a mastermind, you deliver it, and then you need to sell another one. Um, whereas property, it's kind of like a buy-to-let's a subscription business. You buy it once, yeah. you get paid all day long if yeah. you do it right. Same as those. So I like subscription businesses. I like cash cow businesses. But if you just have cash cow businesses, you're always hustling. Yeah. Um, if you just have subscription businesses, your growth is going to be incredibly slow. Mm. Um, it's, like, it's like when people talk about buy-to-let's. Buy to, you can run it smart like a business, but buy to let's are not a business. And it kind of gets on my tits actually when people go, oh, it's a business. It's not a business. It's an investment. Yeah. If you don't understand yeah, the difference, you don't understand business. Yeah. You can lend other people's money to put into it, but this is the thing. You have a business that earns money. You put it into assets to earn you residual money. Mm -hmm. So your active becomes passive. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can also get active income from the property. So you can refurb and sell for more, or you can refurb and refinance. You can split it. You can do all of those things. But you need your initial investment. I'm not saying it needs to be your money, by the way. It can be somebody else's money. But they're investments. Yeah. yeah. You become more of a fund. And I think it's really important to understand the difference with that. The Entrepreneur Academy. Quick fire questions. We like to do some very quick five, five quick quick five questions first thing that comes in, into your head um, I guess and we'll, we'll run through them so could be interesting or what what, what would be what, something people would seem to misunderstand about you probably um, my motivation so again because I'm quite chatty I love it people then associate ego with salesmanship and, and yeah. stuff like that whereas I'm quite charity driven not that I'm some a, a good person I'm also selfish like everyone else but I think that's a natural assumption of what's put out there from my energy sometimes yeah okay what would you say makes someone an entrepreneur if you think about a job and having to turn up a, a certain time and having to leave at a certain time and you are suffocating by that, you're an entrepreneur. And I, I, 
And if not, you're not. And I think something to add that is really important is most of you that think you're entrepreneurs are not entrepreneurs. And it is okay being a number two. So Dan in my business, our business, he is number two and he'll actively go, you're number one, I'm number two. So he is not a full on entrepreneur. He's yeah. a business partner and it's very different, okay? Because if you're not number one, okay, you're number two and that's fine, but you need to understand when you're not an entrepreneur, you're not the leader, you're not the full on, I can't, I'm gonna die if I don't do this. You're yeah. not a full on entrepreneur. If a book was ever written about you, what would it be called? <laughs> Unless it's already in the works. <laughs> oh man. I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> I know, that's, that's a really hard one. It's just like, how do you answer that? It's either going to come across as de-pedestalizing and it's like, oh, modest or an egotistical twire. <laughs> I will say, if there were a book written around me, I would call it Live Fast, Die Old. Because obviously, Live Fast, Die Young is pretty typical, but yeah. I love the hustle, I love the drive, but I'm also really conscious of health, longevity, and really yeah. taking advantage of a full spectrum of life. What, what would you say is the, the best compliment you've ever got? When, when people comment on my loyalty, because it's the thing that I value most in others, and I think it's something that you can have all the money in the world, you can't buy it from somebody. Absolutely. So when somebody points out something that I really care about and somebody else, I really take as a compliment, so loyalty, definitely. And the last question is, what would be the one thing that you wanted to change in the property sector? I mean, it could be generally business sector, um, but obviously being heavily involved in property, um, what's the one thing you wish you could change? I think the care approach, I think, I think tenants are being seen as pins on a board by a lot of people like you were literally here to put money in my bank and I get it it's a business right it's a it's your investment it's all of I get it but I think if you had more focus on the care side of things I think you'd have longer term tenants you might get less turnover but I think you'd make more profit and I think I think generally just giving a shit a lot of people are so focused on the numbers aren't they and they don't realize that actually they are clients as well and you've got to give that good customer service and like you've touched on before is that having that regular income that's reliable relies solely on them and actually building that relationship with them and, and that's where you've talk, touched on with the property being you know a people business it's all the way down to your tenants not just finding the deals it's, it comes down to every single part of that business is, is property is um, people driven Mm. It's such a key part. Before we sort of look um, to sort of wrap things up, is there anything in regards to your sort of future plans and, and goals? Is there anything that really sticks out in your mind of that's exciting that's coming forward, or anything that you're really driven by? Yeah. So right, right now, I've I've been thinking about a lot about collaborations and stuff. So yeah. you know, I set up my own property education stuff probably about six months ago, and the whole idea is to sort of revolutionise the approach. So bloody hard work because the actual profit margins once you take out the time are a lot lower um, than what I've done previously in education yeah. but it's investing a lot more time into people and therefore the success of people and part of the approach to it is tying in to the benefit of our businesses so it's more about the collaboration effect so I'm really excited about that and I think I think the education world in general the self-education world especially the property education world I think it's going to have a massive shift in the next few years. I really hope there's a form of regulation um, that comes into it. I'm not sure what shape that would ever take. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are scared about that. I'm really excited about it because 
what it will do is push out a lot of the fraudsters like there are in every industry um, yeah. and I'm really excited about how that will come in something I'm also really uh, excited about is the social housing sector okay. um, I think there's a lot more light being shone on it at the moment um, from an investment point of view because it can make some decent money but what that does is it increases the supply which means the quality has to increase whereas the social housing sector is a really good example of the councils pay really good money because somebody's autistic or got some issues that they, they need supported living type things and people get absolute shitholes because like people, it's kind of like LHA and DSS tenants, like you just assume something about them, but actually yeah, yeah. they're people like everyone else and I, I'm really excited to see how that shifts because I think the quality is going to go up a lot in the next decade. We really appreciate your, your time today, Jamie. Do you want to share your details contact details of everyone so they can find you if they're not already following you yeah yeah sure so if you're interested in business mindset property investment um i'm built trying to build my youtube channel at the moment so i'd really appreciate if you found me on there it's jamie york j-a-m-i-e-y-o-r-k um and then just watch some videos if you like it hit subscribe if you don't that's cool as well um and if anyone wants to direct message me probably facebook or instagram so on Instagram, you can find me at Jamie York Aspire, A-S-P-I-E-R-E. And then, yeah, just message me on any platforms that you want. If you're an investor or anything like that, I'm happy to add some value um, in any way that I can. Thank you very much for coming on, Jamie. No worries at all. Really enjoyed myself. This is the Entrepreneur Academy. If you have a question, use the hashtag The Entrepreneur Academy.